1: Alcoholic podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. This is your host Kevin Knight, reminding you to check out the show live on YouTube on Wednesday nights at eight ten p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to check out our Patreon page, where you can unlock exclusive perks, including access to a patron Q&A session where we take Falcons questions for about 30 minutes to an hour. That's a lot of fun. You can find that page at patreon.com slash falcoholic live. Thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 146 of The Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter, joined by my co host, Eric Robinson. He is at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, how are you doing tonight? <sighs> I
0: don't know,
2: honestly. <laughs> yeah. Kind of open air. I don't know how I'm feeling.
1: Right. Well, we said it before the show. Right? It's June second. Julio hasn't been traded, so he's staying now officially. Right? All right. Is, yeah. I
2: Guess that's <laughs> what it means. I guess. Yeah.
1: I think that's what it means. That, For sure. I'm. That's what I'm working with. No, guys. Obviously. Uh, he's, he's uh, yeah.
2: Probably get tra- he's probably gonna get traded during the show. Once. Probably
1: just because I said that. But yeah, yep. guys. Obviously, we're gonna talk more about the Julio trade. Right. Uh, give you more of a timeline of when we think it could happen. There were some reports. Um, you know, Steve Weich has, for instance, said that he was expecting it to maybe be later than people thought. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk more about that, answer your guys' questions about Julio. We'll also be talking about OTAs, because we have had two open sessions in the books. We have a couple of observations from there, some press stuff, uh, a couple things, you know, like what I mentioned on Twitter that we're going to talk about there. Uh, do have to let people know that Caleb Huntley, unfortunately, did have to, uh, pull out of tonight's show. He will be joining us next week instead. Uh... Evan Birchfield is apparently working to find someone else to bring on. So I will keep you guys posted uh, if that ends up panning out. But otherwise, you know, you'll just have to deal with us tonight and Evan uh, whenever he, I guess, uh, pops in after, you know. He's he's doing the Ian Rappaport thing. He's making calls, uh, going all over. So uh, we will see if we can get another uh, guy on tonight or not. But either way, we will have Huntley on uh, next week. He did have some, just something come up. So, Uh, all right. So. Eric, do you want to start with Julio, or do you want to start with OTAs?
2: Let's just go ahead and get Julio out Let's the
1: just way. get that out of the way. Okay, so obviously Julio Jones has not yet been traded. This is not a surprise. Uh, today is literally the first possible day it could happen because of, like we've talked about, guys, uh, it has to be post-June 1st where the Falcons don't save any money. So um, now that it is after June 1st, it could theoretically happen at any time um but there are reasons why it might be advantageous for the Falcons to wait if they don't have the offer that they love in hand right now uh you know reports have been all over the the map Diana Rossini of ESPN reported the Falcons already had an offer for a future first round pick on the table now that doesn't clarify whether it was 2022 or 2023 it could be either one obviously a 2022 first is a lot more valuable in terms of you know immediate compensation but you know, a 2023 first is nothing to, to shake a stick at either, so that is something to consider. Other sources have said it's basically teams are offering a second right now. Um, and then D. Orlando Ledbetter of the AJC came out with an article today saying that the market was slow at this time. Again, not surprising because look, teams are going to try to lowball the Falcons because they think that the Falcons have to trade him to create salary cap space, and we're going to talk about. Why that is not true, the Falcons have plenty of options to create the space they need without trading Julio, um, and they could do both. They could do these other things to get the draft class signed and then still trade Julio and then you know carry some of that savings into next year instead of using it this year to sign the draft class. So they have a lot of options. We'll get to it. Eric, at this point, when are you expecting a trade? Do you think it is relatively imminent, like in the next week, or are you expecting it to be closer to the start of training camp or even later?
2: Um, if you asked me this a month ago, I probably would have said the week of June 1st. Um, which is this week, of course. But uh right now, the way things have shaken out so far, I would not be surprised if this lingers for a little bit. Um, and the main reason to me why I think it may is because, and this is what this is what I think is the big hold up in the in the entire trade talk itself uh the contract obligation the 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 salary the um the pay salary obligation that the, whichever team has them is going to have to pay teams are reluctant to want to pay uh his price tag this year which is 15.3 million um and they're wanting the falcons to take on some of that and the falcons are basically saying hell no we're not um, and Terry Fontenot being a rookie GM, I don't mind him sticking to his guns when it comes to that. You're looking to move. If you're, if you're going to move Julio, the biggest reward, in my opinion, at least temporarily, of course, is to get that, that cap space because he's off the books. He's only going to cost you $7 million in dead cap, so you're getting cap space of around $15 million. If you're going to trade him and still pay a portion of his salary his base salary this year what's the point of trading him there's there's right. really not especially especially if the compensation is going to be at minimum if, if the compensation is 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 a second round pick but you're still having to pay five or six million dollars of his deal why I don't I don't think it's worth to part ways with an all pro receiver that I mm-hmm. still think is going to be you know very excellent at the age of 32 Coming off of injuries, uh, injury season. Um, I don't, I don't, so I don't think it's worth it. So, in order for them to make this trade, in my opinion, in order for it to be worth it, you got to make the trade, you got to get valuable compensation. We've talked on the show before. I think we all gen- genuinely feel he's worth the first round pick. They're trying to push for a first round pick, they're probably only going to get a second if I had to place my money on it. Um, but I don't want to pay a salary. That's just plain right. and simple. Because mm-hmm. I'm if I'm paying his salary, I'm paying for his services and I'm I don't wanna pay they already have to pay his debt cap hit, which is next year, which is fifteen million dollars. And you yeah. can tell me they're gonna have to pay even more shell out even more with him not being right. on the roster this nah, Yeah, it's
1: it's yeah, no. it's very unlikely. Like the Uh, The crux of the deal... Like, if you're going to try to lowball the Falcons... Because you know they need cap space... Then you're not going to come in here and say... Oh, well, we want you to pay some of his base salary. Like, that's absolutely not on the table. Any team that's asking that is going to get hung up on. Um, And, like... Now, maybe if a team doesn't want to give up a first... It is possible that they could agree to pay... Some of the signing bonus. Some of the prorated bonus. So, if they want to take on more of that salary... Voluntarily... Generally, that like generally, when you trade a player, the, the receiving team picks picks up the base salary and does not pick up any bonus. Now, I believe it is technically possible that they could agree to take on bonus as a part of the trade, but you would mm-hmm. probably be asking for you know less draft compensation in return. So that's on the table. But generally, like you're getting Julio Jones for fifteen point three million this year and eleven point five million the next two years. Um, that's not outlandish at all for Julio. <laughs> especially the next two years like
2: 2022 and 23 so for an elite receiver that's cheap yes i don't think fans understand that
1: right and also after this year, all of his base is guaranteed this year. So whoever's trading for him, you know, they're going to keep him this year, obviously. I mean, you don't give up the package to get Julio Jones and not keep him this year. But next year, he'll only have $2 million of his salary guaranteed. And then in 2023, it's not guaranteed at all. So, like, you could get out of the deal if you wanted to. Now, that's probably why Julio going to be asking for a new deal wherever he goes. Um, but it's important to note those facts about the contract. Like the other team, the trading team is not necessarily on the hook for much after this year. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think if you're not agreeing to take on all 15 million of his base salary this year, you're not going to get very far because that's the whole point of the deal because the Falcons right. already have to eat a bunch this year. Uh, they right. have to eat seven, and a half, you know, almost 8 million just in terms in of the, the bonus this year. And then they have to eat yeah. another like 15 million next year. So, yeah. um, you know, they, the Falcons can't afford to like not trade the whole salary, uh, and it would be mm-hmm. unusual for the Falcons to agree to pay some of his salary, um, unless the team was like, okay, we'll give you, you know, a first and a second or something, but you you have to pay, you know, five million of his salary. It's like, okay, sure. Would you would gonna... you
2: see you would see Fontenot? I mean, I don't think that's likely,
1: that? but like if a team wants to offer like a like extra draft compensation to make to make the pick, you know, to make this trade work for them financially, like, Oh, we can't afford to take on all 15 million, but we could take on 10. So if you pay 5 million of his base, you know, we'll, we'll do, you know, we can give I, you more picks, but. It, me
2: personally, I don't want to do it at all because right. I'm, I'm st- I still know, because it, I I still want him here. Yeah. But then me yes. personally, I mm-hmm. still want him here. And if I'm paying him, I want him in Atlanta. I yes, want him in exactly. So. If you, if we're gonna go that route, or we're gonna you know push him on another team, I'm I damn sure not gonna do it for one draft pick and still have to pay some of his salary. Like to me, right. that's not worth it. If you mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta because he's the biggest prize in this whole trade. He's worth more than the money that's going to be going back and forth. He's worth more than the player that that can be included in the trade somehow. He's Julio Jones. When right. healthy, he's a top five receiver. At worst. Yeah. Arguably best receiver in the league. So this is not this is not a situation where you could just take on whatever, you know, from from opposing teams because they don't feel Julio is who he is. And I I applaud Terry Fontenot at this point. He's standing tall. He's sticking to his guns. If you want a first round pick, Terry push for it. I don't think he's going to get it. I do think he's worth the first round pick, but if that's what you want to do, if you're hearing enough of the negotiations, push for it. If, if you want a player added into it, push for it. If you don't want to pay a dime, push for it, Terry, because you are a rookie GM. They're going to try to get over on you, dude. Mm-hmm. Like that, and that's, that's why just, he can't. That's why he
1: can't do right. it. You know, I tweeted about it. I'm going to be writing about it, too. Uh, also, yeah. welcome in Evan Birchfield, too. Before I go off on a tangent, he is at Evan Birchfield on Twitter. Evan, how are you doing tonight, man?
3: I am well. I've been working the phone lines trying to get somebody in here. Um,
1: <laughs> it was a tall order. You know, you said it. I was like, all right. You know, I'm I'm not I don't have any expectations, you know, so I appreciate mm. you trying. And we're going to have Caleb on, you know, next week. It's not a big deal. We appreciate him trying to work us in this week, too. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, I wasn't really expecting anything. I appreciate you for trying, but I'm sure the three of us, you know, yeah. I guess well, you guys are just going to have to listen to us. A- yeah. hour and a half we or got or an so, hour so. so you know yeah well, we'll i see mean you back. <laughs> I, I
2: i know evan i know evan is an insider and he's getting some news here and there about some type of player movement for the falcons so i'm not worried about it yeah. evan is one. Yeah. evan is arguably the, the busiest person on the falcoholic roster man. yep exactly so it's, it's fine dude it's fine <laughs> yeah i wish
1: <laughs> but yeah it's uh it's it's difficult to to talk about moving on from julio and like i agree with eric like if it was me i would not trade him this year like we've we've been trumpeting like we were so convinced that they were just going to extend grady that we were basically like not even considering a julio trade first of all like, because it doesn't make as much financial sense like sure you clear more money with the julio trade but like you take like you take on like 15 million dead cap next year doing this move and like i think we've all said like we don't like Julio's value is not particularly high right now. So maybe you can convince someone to trade for him at some point, but like your your the value is not great. And also it it makes more sense if you could trade him next year after he has a you know potentially bounce back season. Not, um, not only that, but,
2: but the, the message that the team was trying to convey. Like, hey, they, we've been hearing about them saying we want to win now. Well, obviously, what's the best scenario for them if they want to win now? A healthy Julio with Kyle. Hits with really with that loaded offense, that's their best option right now. So, I, I it, because we we always felt it's weird to push that that mentality that hey, we want to win, we want to push for a playoff spot, but we also want to trade our best player on the team. Like, I don't, I don't, I can't, <laughs> right? That's a pill I can't swallow.
1: Yeah, it, it is weird. And George says uh, with the $3, thanks, George. says, You could always get Tori back on. Everyone loves Tori. I agree. Like, honestly, if I called up Tori right now and said, Hey, you want to come on? She probably would. But I don't want to do that to her on such short notice. So,
2: <laughs> Tori's like. Tori's not getting a lot of rest nowadays.
1: No, no, Tory's just making the rounds. But uh, no, Tory yeah. would probably come on. But uh, you were gonna give her a break, at least like give her one week off in between appearances. But uh, I do see your other uh, question as well, George. So we'll get to that in just a minute. I promise. But um, yeah, it's so we don't want him traded. Like we think it's better to just wait. And if you really want to, like do it before the trade deadline. Then, like if maybe if you get to the trade deadline, you're not as competitive as you wanted to be then move him to you know a quote-unquote contender and do it that way um now it doesn't help you with the rookies but you know
2: i forgot about that yeah why can't you I seriously that? forgot about that yeah
1: so you know that is an option <laughs> like um i mean so.
2: because because let's let's be honest here the value of julio jones where do you think is going to be higher at, at the trade deadline during the regular season or now like if, if if you give them hypothetically, I don't know exactly when the trade deadline is, but if you give Julio eight weeks to show that he's Julio Jones, and he's looking spectacular, but the team is, is two and six, I guarantee you, they might be able to get a first round pick at that trade deadline. Yeah. I, I guarantee if he is who he is, and he's looking as strong as ever, I guarantee they can get a high draft pick at that trade deadline because the team's going to want to make that one final playoff push. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I didn't even think about that. Good point, Kevin.
1: Yeah. So, like, it doesn't help you salary wise as much. No. So, like, you know, that is something to consider. But I, I, like, we've, and we've talked, I talked about it on Twitter and, you know, we're going to get into it. But, like, Terry Fontenot can't cave like he can't give up julio for bad compensation he can't, can't do it do not because but even like just because he, he this is going to define his first year as falcons gm what he does with julio mm-hmm. jones and if he takes a lowball offer because julio wants to leave and he's like oh i think he's going to be disgruntled he has to go then all the veterans are going to think oh he's a pushover i can just demand to leave and they'll trade me for peanuts and if and if not that it's you know other gms are like oh well we can just we could just, you know, hard, play hardball, and he'll cave, you know, at the end, and that'll be what sticks with him for a
2: while. Yeah. Like first impressions are important. So now, now I will say this: teams going back to what you know the statement that he made on undisputed, excuse me, the statement that he made on undisputed last week. It, it to me is still affected the trade talks, and I still believe that teams are still going to try to lowball him. It's like it's going to happen. That doesn't mean he's going to settle. That doesn't mean he needs to settle. That doesn't mean he needs to, you know, make a trade to to you know have a, you know, for cooling heads to prevail. But I think in this situation right here, this is a situation where what happened last week put the team in an awkward situation when it comes to trade talks, and um, teams see that. They see that he's a rookie GM. They see that they're dealing with a rookie head coach, and they're go- they're going to try to one up. Of course, like, let's yeah. let's just go ahead and put it out there. Especially with the GMs that we heard that he's been dealing with, you know, like John Robinson from the Titans, uh, Snyder from the Seahawks. Like these are veteran GMs. These guys have been around the block a, a few times. They made a few trades before. So, uh, but if I'm Terry Fontenot, stick to your guns, man. If you if you if what you want is a first round pick or a second round pick and a player without having to pay that contract, stick to it, Terry. Like, don't, don't move. Yeah. Do not, don't pull the trigger for a third round pick just to get him off the board. And you still got to pay half his contract. Now we're looking at you like, what the hell are you doing?
1: Right. Yeah. No. And it's like, um, I just thought has to be really careful with how he handles it. And like, I, you know, Nico, I did read your comment. Like I, he can't, like, he shouldn't really preoccupy himself with what the media thinks. The media's opinion doesn't matter. Right. But Who cares? But the opinion of other GMs and veteran players does matter because that affects negotiations. It affects, right. you know, how well you can wheel and deal and that sort of thing. Like, Thomas Dimitrov could get away with lowballing a Julio trade because he has, you know, 12 years of experience and other reputation to lean on. But Mm Fondo doesn't have anything at this point except one draft class that no one really knows much about yet and then also a very quiet free agency period. So, like, he doesn't have anything to hang his hat on anything. And, like, I think how he handled the fourth overall pick should tell us a lot about how he's going to handle Julio. If an offer doesn't come in that's good enough, he's not going to do the trade. Um, and, you know, the timing is important, like, because I think by training camp, the Falcons have to have signed the rookies. So I think if a, an offer is not coming in, they will either restructure Julio or restructure Grady or extend Grady. Um, and, you know, we've been obviously proponents of the Grady extension for a while. Now, mm-hmm. if they were hoping to extend Grady next year, it makes sense because they can create more cap space by doing the extension next year. But yeah. I mean, they don't gotta, necessarily need all of it. It's Grady Jarrett. Like if he has gotta, another great you season, adjust. you know, he's going to be more expensive too. So, <laughs> you got um, to adjust. It is yeah. what it is. Exactly. So, it's they have other options. You know, we we saw what the the Packers just did with Robert Tanyan, his second round tender. You know, they just added like four void years to his second round tender, signed him to a quote-unquote new deal, so his cap hit dropped by like 3 million. Like there are lots of shenanigans they can do.
2: To the get void, year, the yeah. oh, void years are shit. Well, front I'm not offices. saying they should, but like <laughs> no, no, I'm just no, no, I'm just saying like front offices, they're, they're clever as hell. Yes. To now insert that into concept, that means absolutely nothing. To be quite honest with you, mm-hmm. the voidable years means nothing.
1: Yes, all it does is spread out the bonus. So like that's
2: all it does. Yes,
1: yes. So, but you know that means that you're paying salary for years that the player's not on the team. But like if mm-hmm. that the thing is like. Teams were doing this sort, these sorts of things for a while. The Saints made their living on it, expecting the cap to keep going up every year. And when it didn't go up this year, it screwed a lot of teams, the Falcons included. So, like, the other thing to mention, like, we're, we all talk about how Dimitrov botched this. And, like, yes, even if this, even if COVID didn't happen, they'd still have been in cap trouble this year. But, like, they wouldn't need to be having this conversation now about needing to trade Julio to sign the draft class. Like if the cap had stayed flat and it was 198 million again, they would have had 13 million more cap space to play around with this year. So that's important to remember, you know, as much as we like to crap on Dimitrov, like this was an unprecedented turn of events that led to the first salary cap drop, I believe in history. Um, So, so even,
2: if, man, even if, it, if even if we didn't have that dip in salary cap, man, we
1: I mean, we still couldn't have signed a bunch of free agents, but we wouldn't have had to be. Oh, we need to either extend or restructure so and so.
2: With to that, get, with that, know. with that extra thirteen, we still. I think we still would have been able. No, like it it just, just, yeah, yeah.
1: No, with that it, extra thirteen, we we have thirteen million more than we have right now, basically. So right,
2: but I'm th- I'm saying if 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 it was a regular season, a, re- a normal season with the 198, so we wouldn't even we probably wouldn't even be having these julio jones exactly talks at i all. don't think they would
1: no unless someone came all. in with a crazy offer or something but
2: yeah but it wouldn't even be like we we have to you know research this and see how it can help the team long term we would even be discussing this god damn covet yeah, COVID.
1: yeah. Bl- it's covet so it's COVID. it's, COVID's it's all covet's it fault yeah uh and partially you know Dimitrov because well, I blame you know the James carpenter slash you know Jamon Brown signings and also Dante Fowler Jr. But you know no one's no one's perfect, you know, you're always gonna sign some stinkers, but uh, yeah, there's a lot there was a lot there were a lot of errors there. but um, so like at this point, like the Falcons do have options you don't necessarily have to trade Julio before camp just to sign the draft class. So like, don't think about it in terms of like, Oh, well they the Falcons are the ones backed into a corner. Cause they have to do this by this date. Like they have other options. They'd probably rather not resort to those options, but um, they're not just going to trade him to sign the rookies. Like that's, that is so far beyond the, what's necessary. I'm, um, I'm, so. I'm,
2: con- I'm concerned a lot more. And I, and I was concerned the day that this happened, that the whole thing happened on uh, undisputed. I'm concerned about how, because what he's what they've done so far, as as far as how they managed this is is excellent in my opinion so far. But things are going to change once training camp hits, and it's it's going to be nonstop Julio watch mm-hmm. day after day after day after day after day. You're going to get fielded. You you think you're getting hit with questions now about Julio during OTAs. Wait till training camp starts and he doesn't possibly show up. Like, you're still going to, it's going to be Julio, Julio, Julio. Oh, yeah. Well, we we got Kyle Pitts, Julio, Julio, Julio. Like, it's, and I want, I'm concerned about how a Ricky GM and head coach manages that aspect. But they've done so far is great. But to me, that's this, that's a total different ball of wax. Yeah. Because you're dealing, you're, you're dealing with that. Every single day as you're trying to incorporate your blueprint into a team and and again, it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to monitor that. Going yeah,
1: I agree and like ideally the best thing for both sides is probably a, a trade for fair compensation to a contender which would make Jones happy it would make the Falcons happy because they got fair compensation and the salary cap they needed. But things don't usually work out that way. So like, we're probably looking at either not are we, are getting we, the compensation we want or like Julio, not necessarily going to the team he's super happy about or him sticking around and having to kind of like just tough it out. Like I realize that or, Julio Jones is saying he doesn't want to play here, but
2: are we talking <laughs> Super Bowl contender or playoff contender?
1: <laughs> well, it's probably going to be a playoff contender.
2: Uh, it, and yeah. Cause it's not going to be a Super Bowl contender.
1: Probably not. It would be very hard to make that work. So it's a, uh, Look, it, they're going to find a way to make this work. And I, I don't think Julio is going to be sitting out the season because the worst thing he could do for his future in the NFL was, is to sit yeah, out. He's, he's um, not going to do that. Teams do not like that. You saw what happened to Le'Veon Bell. He went to the Jets and his career is basically yep. over now. So um, yep. teams do not like that. They do not appreciate yep. it. Um, they view it very negatively because what's to stop them from just not doing liking it, where they are here and doing it again? From, from your new team, um, yep. And I also yep. think, I also think that Julio is a professional. I think if, as long as Terry Fontenot is making a serious attempt to trade him, which I think it's pretty clear that he is, if the deal doesn't come, the deal doesn't come. And he, Julio's just going to have to deal with that. Like they're not going to trade him for nothing. And honestly, I think Julio should understand that because it would be insulting to him to get traded for peanuts. Like as well. Um, like if he goes for like a fourth round pick, I mean, that's, that would be insulting to me, you know, if I was Julio Jones, I'd be, but I'll be pissed. Yeah. Um, I'll be pissed. So I think as long as it's a good faith attempt by Fontenot to find a partner and if it doesn't materialize I think Julio will play and I think he'll be like look we didn't it didn't work out before the season we're going to keep listening to offers during the season um so just look go out there and do the best you can the better you look the more <laughs> likely we are to get an offer so If
2: Julio okay all right so here's and and we would never know this until it actually occurs hypothetically they don't find a trade partner he misses a few days of training camp, but he shows up just in time. He gets a few a couple of days of training camp in. Forget about preseason, he's probably not gonna play at all in preseason. Yeah, he plays the regular season in the Falcons uniform. They start off six and two. What do you say then if you're Julio Jones?
1: Well, I mean, if I'm Julio Jones at that point, everything's going good. He's probably look, he's probably like, I'm fine i'm fine is it is
2: it or is he saying like we've done this six and two before or, like well, <laughs> well usually gonna happen.
1: usually the six and two is you know at the end of the season when every when everything is already like out of the <laughs> door
2: <laughs> it, to me it's kind of it's kind of it's is like i'm going to be looking at it like all right julio the team six and two they're in the playoff spot right now like how do you feel about the team now like are you still oh i want to win well technically you guys are winning you're six and two right now dude like, right like what's what is it basically what i'm getting at is what is your definite i mean i know your definition of winning is winning a super bowl but i i don't in a situation like that i don't see how you can have that sentiment when the team is actually winning with you on the field like i don't if they start off and have a great start to the season how can you sit here and say well i still want to get traded because i I mean that's the thing,
1: right? Like winning solves all problems, solves including everything. personal problems. So like if they're right. winning and everything's going great, like he might and be you, like, you, you know, know. All if right, you don't get an to... offer, you know, it's okay. Like, you know, we could, we could ride this out. And like, that's what people need to understand is like, he doesn't want to go through the whole coaching change and getting his hopes up about this is finally going to be like, we don't necessarily want to do that. Like I'm done with that. I would like to have, you know, consistent winning football in Atlanta. Like I understand where he's coming what does from. He, but... What
2: does he want to, what does he want to do? Like, okay. Well, let me ask you this then. Do you think, do you think his, his attitude would still be the same if they hired a veteran head coach? And a bit, does it, does it have anything to yeah. do with a rookie? I don't know. Honestly,
1: I think, it. I don't know if it has a lot to do with Arthur Smith. I honestly don't think he's had like any opportunity to really form an opinion on Arthur not, Smith. I mean, like, not,
2: not Arthur Smith itself, but I'm saying like, right. they've to hired like Joe Brady or whoever, any of the first time head coach compare that to them saying, all right, we're going to hire Todd Boat or we're going to bring back, Raheem Morris like right you think or like say it was still,
1: you know Gary Kubiak or something you yeah. know you think yeah
2: the, you think the attitude has still been the same like man I want out like I I, I don't know. it's kind of it's, it's kind of hard basically what I'm saying is it's kind of hard to gauge I want to win based is based on what like is it based on the new philosophy you need to see is it based on the fact that you don't think there's enough talent on the Falcons roster for you to win a Super Bowl is it based on you think you can win a Super Bowl at another team? So like, what is it based on? I don't. I don't. I'm, yeah. I'm trying I mean, to- that,
3: that's what's yeah. weird to me is the like the options to realistic options to where he could go aren't really any better than the Falcons when you consider that. Yeah, because I mean, Arthur Smith. All of a sudden, there's an offensive genius in here calling plays. Um, they lost a lot of close games last year. People mm-hmm. forget. Um, they also added Kyle Pitts to the offense. Right. And the team like the team's only going to get better with that kind of group Calvin Ridley having another season to grow. Um where does he think he I mean I guess you could argue that Baltimore's got to you know if they traded for him have a probably a better chance to do something. Um but at the same time you're going to a team that you know, they've got some good receivers already in place and well, Lamar that, Jackson's not always throwing the ball. So it's well, not like you're going
2: to like, that. that to, to be quite honest with you, that offensive scheme is, it's, is vanilla. Like that, that scheme doesn't mm-hmm. even, so you're not even going to get Julio Jones type targets in that offensive scheme because right. of what they operate. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, again, it's, it's, I'm wondering like, okay, what, Is it a situation where he's looking at it and saying, hey, I know we're going to have a good offense this year, but I'm looking at that defense and that defense is going to hold us back. So I want to get out of here. Okay, where do you want to go? Or Tennessee is a possibility. But Tennessee didn't have a great defense last year, Julio. Like, yeah. what are we talking? Also, about?
3: we have the guy that helped make them great. Right.
2: On the we have the right. reason they're great. And we we fear. have the guy that was the reason why they were a good defense two years ago, and they fell off since then. Like, it's what do you, what is it based on, Julio? That's what I want to know. My
3: fear is it's like because we can all kind of relate to this, depending on what jobs you had growing up, or maybe you still have them. Where when you get the mindset that you want out, it's hard to stay like even if you end up regretting it later on which i've personally done where i wanted out of a job and then i got out of it and i was like man it wasn't too bad it wasn't but, like that, you man. get on that that yeah you get on that like trajectory where you're like yeah. okay i'm i'm getting out of here like they don't appreciate me blah 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 and unless somebody's going to come throw their arm around you and say hey you know relax a little like we're going to fix things you're probably out the door and, <laughs> and, and you, the you blink. know
2: i guess it the kind of, the blink. <clears throat> that's the hope <clears throat> that's the wild card
1: yeah 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 i just uh yeah well,
2: go ahead evan. i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off man.
1: yeah yeah go ahead yeah evan? what
3: yeah evan did you have
1: more hmm? to add
2: or wait were you oh were you... no
3: no 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 I, and then also I, I see somebody mentioned derrick henry um derrick henry was All you know, amazing obviously, but Arthur Smith helped him reach that next level. There was two, I think it was his first two seasons where he wasn't like hitting that stride, and then Arthur Smith just comes in as offensive coordinator, and his scheme really helped Derrick Henry succeed,
2: right? I mean,
3: those receivers and Ryan Tannehill, who had a you know,
2: pretty good season,
3: right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's Tennessee has some really good pieces around Julio, but I'm looking at Julio on that roster compared to Julio on the Falcons roster, and I don't see a whole lot of difference. Yeah, they may not have a Derrick Henry in the backfield, but you know what? Tennessee doesn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback
3: or a Kyle it's, Pitts.
2: or right. or a Kyle Pitts. Like it's it 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 kind of evens itself out a little bit. Like yeah, Tennessee may not have. I mean, Atlanta may not have a solid edge rushing duo, and Bud Dupree and Harold Landry. Potentially, but Tennessee doesn't really have a, a solid corner like AJ Terrell in place. They don't really have they have the the better middle linebackers of the two teams, in my opinion. So it's 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 what do you like? this there's really not much of a gap between those two teams. So I, I I don't even I don't even know why that team is even being tossed out there because they're not even the best team in their division. Let's just be honest.
1: Yeah, no, that's. that's- Tennessee is going to fall off. That's the thing. Like I think yeah. that we're going to see that like they have the pieces to still be like decent, but like they're going to they're going to experience the same like Tennessee is so similar to 2017 Atlanta that it it kind of shocks me. Um like this this Tennessee team. Like and I don't I don't think their defense is going to be as good as 2017 Atlanta either, but like this is a team that lost their like lit the league on fire offensive coordinator and has an overrated head coach uh but they felt like they couldn't you know get rid of their head coach to keep the offensive mind because that's you know unusual to do uh so they're gonna now have to try to you know now revitalize the offense once again with a different offensive coordinator um and try to fix the defense at the same time and i just don't think it's gonna work out for them like i i don't think the defense has been a problem. Like they also have a defensive head coach and, uh, Oh God, what's his name? Um, Vrabel. Vrabel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that defense has been bad since DNP's left. So it's not Vrabel <laughs> helping out the defense. Like I'm not, it's one of those situations. It's like, well, what exactly do you do here? Like the defense yeah. isn't good. And you just lost the engine of your offense. And Arthur yeah. Smith. So I mean,
2: I, I, even even with Julio on that roster, do do they improve? Absolutely, because he's Julio. He's Julio Jones. Like there's right. uh, their, their number two option at receiver right now is probably Josh Reynolds. So there's a, a clearly he upgrades that for them. Um, are they a better team going forward? i believe so yeah probably but does but does that place them in the same class? the julio in tennessee does it place them in the same class as kansas city that i don't know right i just i I honestly can't say that does it place them in the same class as buffalo that i don't know yeah i I can't
1: i just don't yeah i mean i think uh i think uh it's it's going to be difficult for Julio to find a place that's going to be like legitimately better than Atlanta unless the Ravens come in with an offer, unless the Chiefs come in with an offer, the Packers, well, somebody the, the like Ravens, that. The Ravens has
2: already been has already been right. published that the, the Ravens are have kind of like, out. Bowed out. Right, yeah, so, so it's
1: like maybe the Packers, maybe the Sea. I guess the Seahawks are kind of a dark horse. like
2: um, Packers are, def- I don't think the Packers are in this um they're right. too busy trying to figure out what's going on <laughs> well maybe this is their the like yeah I,
3: right right that's what i was thinking i think yeah. right
2: now i think right now the the legitimate teams in play of tennessee's in play um shit, who else seattle
3: maybe would they trade him to seattle though
2: it, that would definitely be goddamn foolish well, I don't know why you would do that, Fondo. Um, I think it, I think Indy can can make can make a push because I think Indy definitely has the cap space. There's no question about yeah. that. Yeah. They have the cap space. They have they don't have the picks. That's the thing because they traded their first they traded their first next year for Wentz. Um, but you can make up for that and say, hey, we'll give you guys a third in 2022. But we're we'll also throwing Kenny Moore as a good slot corner. I mean, it's just it, there's it, there's really the options are running dry right yeah. now, and it's yeah. probably going to come down to Tennessee, and maybe another team or two.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I think it's really I mean that's why we'll see if the deal does get done before training camp or not. Um, you know, I I think that if the if 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 uh, doesn't like what he's seeing before camp, he's just going to say we're just going to let it ride. And look, there's going to be a training camp injury, um, to someone. And it's Julio's not going to be working out. So like, that's the that's the last you know straw if they really want to trade him is just wait to see who gets hurt in training camp and then yeah. someone's going to get real desperate real quick when that happens. Um, so like if you have to wait that long, you have to wait that long. But um, yeah, it's uh it's wild. But I mean yeah, I mean I've talked about the Patriots. Like I think the Patriots coming in. With like a second and JC Jackson is like a fair offer, you know. Obviously, I'd prefer to have a first and JC Jackson, but, um, you know, I'm I'm willing to listen to that deal. I think that's decently fair because JC Jackson would be a very good outside starter next to AJ Terrell. Um,
2: so, do, so but, do you put a whole? Do you believe that they were offered the a first? Because that's what reports say that that apparently they were offered the a first. If I, you do, if you do believe,
1: who is the team? I don't believe they were offered a first because I think if they were offered a first, the trade would be done right now. I do believe that the Falcons said the minimum offer is a first or equivalent value in terms of would, second plus player. Would so, you still
2: so if if New England offered a first and said that they will only pay ten million of the salary, would you pay it? Would you still would you still accept it? No. You'll take the first. No, no. Okay. Because I'd so rather what, just
1: I'd rather just take JC Jackson off their hands and it would free up about the, about the same amount of money. So
2: that's why I think the hold up that's why I think the hold up is. I do think a team offered a first, but I think that team is offering the first and also saying we're not paying entire fifteen million dollars in salary. And I think that's what the hold up is. Is it
3: is it also possible that a team offered a first but wanted Julio in like a second or third back? I mean it's possible they wanted a pick back and they um, just didn't want to give up that yeah. I don't think the fuck is killing that gear. first doesn't seem right. Like, right. If, if the fuck
1: is to go to the fourth like to get or... the deal done, you know, it's not going to work. So,
2: um, <laughs> um, <right. laughs> wait, 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 wait. what you, you want to today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. You want a pick? <laughs> yeah, oh, like well, they're
1: like, Oh, we'll give you a first, but you gotta give us back a fourth. Like, no. You want a sixth?
2: Sure. You're getting the <laughs> best receiver in the game. Why do you want anything what? Like
1: that's that's the thing. Like teams are gonna be lowballing because the pressure's not on. But like No. It's it's you just have to be patient. You just gotta be patient.
3: Um, let me do the
2: negotiations. Yeah, please.
3: Just be Absolutely patient. No. <laughs> well, I think what they're also seeing is if they got an offer that knocked their socks off, it would have been probably done or at least leaked by now. No, no,
2: I think I think they did. I just think teams are not wanting to pay the $15 million, and I think that is what Fontenot is sitting on. I think right now mm-hmm. the Falcons know what they're likely going to get in return for Julio. But I don't think they want to budge off the salary, and I don't blame them. if they, Because, again, what's the point of trading Julio if I'm still going to have to pay half his salary for this year? Like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I think that is the biggest holdup in this entire thing. I, I Like I said, I think they generally know what they're going to get. By this point, I mean, they've been fielding phone calls for since when? Since February, March? I think they know what they're going to get. They just – they don't want to pay, and I don't blame them.
1: Yeah, it's that's the thing. Like, I think we just have to be patient with it. Um, I, I do think it's probably going to happen right before camp. Um yeah. but no matter what, the Falcons are gonna do something before camp because they they need to have the rookie signed by camp. Um, but I don't think they feel like they have to do the Julio trade I think they would prefer to get that done sooner than later, if possible. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think they're gonna be straight up with teams and be like, look. This is our minimum offer. If you if you can't meet it, then don't waste our time. Like call us don't back get, when you right. feel like you can, right. um, and then they'll figure it out from there. And if they need right. to, you know, restructure Grady because he's not willing to do an extension, they can do that. If they need to cut Gono and somebody else, or do some void year shenanigans with Gono and cut Isaiah Oliver, like I mean, they can do a lot of things. I'm not saying they should necessarily do that, but like right. you know, if they have other options. Like they can clear space. Right. So um, right. just they're gonna. They're going to play hardball because they have to because Fontenot can't afford to do anything else Uh, because this is this is going to define his first year as Falcons GM. And if he gets low, if he he gets lowballed or he gets bullied into to a bad trade, it's going to be really hard to shake that because it's already not popular to trade Julio. We all know this, like we don't want Julio to go. We can see the reasoning, but it's not popular. So if you're going to make an unpopular move, you, you at least have to get good value back or else you're going to be like the Texans trading DeAndre Hopkins for peanuts and a, you know, decent running back, which is basically worth nothing in today's NFL. Um, and, then, and you're going to get filleted what? and then fired. So,
2: <laughs> and, then, and then, and then what, two years later after trading for that running back, you end up signing three more in free agency yep. this, this year.
1: They were just like, Oh yeah, let's just, you know, do something. Awesome. <laughs> Anything. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. So, um, all right, anything more on Julia you guys want to talk about, or, or should we transition to some uh, some OTA stuff? That's enough
3: Julia. We did it. That's out. enough
1: Hulia.
2: Unless, unless, unless Evan wants to throw some stuff in, I'm cool with it. <laughs>
3: No, I'm good. I'm sure we'll be talking about it next week. Yeah. God. And the next week.
2: Don't yep.
1: remind me. All right, so let's uh, – all right, Raider Carlos, if you don't stop spamming the chat, man, I'm going to have to silence you, so, you know, cool your jets, bud. Um, Wait, what right. No, there's just somebody spamming spam chat, so, yeah, like, don't make me do it. I will. Um, so, there's some interesting stuff coming out of OTAs. Um, so, let's talk about it. Uh, some legitimately interesting comments. Uh, so, first of all, the one that stood out to me was, so far in training camp, free agent cornerback Fabian Moreau has been starting outside opposite A.J. Terrell with Isaiah Oliver in the slot. Um that was kind of what i think we were hoping because he's played a lot better whenever he's been able to play outside Mm -hmm. um it hasn't been you know something he's played a ton of but i think uh, pff had him as like a top 20 cornerback outside even though you know he played only 200 snaps last year but on those 200 snaps he was a top 20 coverage grade corner uh playing outside so Certainly, someone who has upside there certainly has the build and the size for it. Um, interested to to hear what you guys have to say about uh, that. It seems like maybe the Falcons are actually going to play him in the correct spot on the outside here.
2: I mean, yeah, I, th- I think those I, I think those answers were uh, were evident during the draft. You know, they didn't they didn't use uh, their higher picks early in the draft to take a corner, even though we thought that they were going to. Um, And there was plenty of really good corners on the board, but they decided to go elsewhere. So I I figured Moreau was going to get uh, the first look as far as starting opposite AJ Terrell. Um, I am curious, though, what happens with Isaiah Oliver. Um, He kind of sort of had a mini career renaissance Uh, last year after Raheem Morris took over and, you know, he saw a lot better play out of him. And he mostly was because of he was playing in a slot. Um, I I think, I think Kenneth Sheffield was fighting for a roster spot. It's uh, that's pretty evident. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. I I mean,
1: I know it, it like riled some people up when I didn't have him making the roster. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
2: he's no, he's he's not.
1: A I mean, sure I don't thing. think he's necessarily like not going to make the roster, but I mean, I think it's certainly something think, that should be on people's radar.
2: I don't think it's a sure thing. Yeah, I don't think. What? No offense. No, great, great athlete. I think he deserves to be on a
1: roster, but but all he
2: all he does is run very well. He
1: does run extremely fast. That's what he has. He has good size too. I mean, I think he plays around two hundred, so he's got some thickness to him. But that's too, it. But, like
2: he's yeah. he's not. He's he hasn't greatest, developed. Really, it's not the greatest so. tackler. Techniques need, still need some polish. Awareness still needs some polish. He didn't. Ball tracking ability still needs some polish. Again, the only really thing he can do very well is he can run. That's it. That that sounds like a special teamer. That doesn't sound like a, a a key guy in your in your cornerback rotation. So I, I think he really is fighting for a spot, man. It's not a guarantee. It's not a sure thing.
1: Yeah. Um so, yeah, so I I like that. You know, we were also hearing that Isaiah Oliver, you know, getting the first chance in the slot. Um so, you know, I think he played <sighs> a lot better there. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's cool. You know, Avery Williams and Darren Hall, you know, I don't you're the one that's watched Hall, you know, you think he's more of an outsider or a slot guy? in the nfl I
2: think, I think hall is more of a boundary corner and i think mm-hmm. hall is gonna is gonna be the one that's gonna give sheffield a fight for that roster spot I, I yeah mean, i mean i don't I, I think hall's gonna make the
1: roster i would be pretty no, sure no, no he's, just, he no, he's yeah. gonna make the but... roster
2: i'm just saying like if if sheffield wants to stay on the roster he's going that's that's one guy that he's gonna have to be better than and i'm not quite sure he, he will be to be honest with you um Darren Hall is the one thing Darren Hall has that Sheffield doesn't show is instincts. Yeah. Those instincts are going to stand out. Was, but didn't he have a, didn't Hall have an interception already at some point in OTAs? Ricky? Ricky maybe, McTier?
1: maybe that. Yeah. I think he was the one that did come down with something. Yeah. Um, yeah. He had yeah. an interception
2: it was for like his first, the first or second practice in Ricky Municap. So it was like, yeah, this right there, he's already showing one trait that's better than Kendall Sheffield.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, in in Dean P's defense, you just gotta be opportunistic, and like I think, shit, and and I think Dan Quinn, you know, valued athletes at corner a lot more. And I think we've seen yep. from the two picks the Falcons had, they went after guys who were ball hawks, some guys that are yep. opportunistic. Because I think the Fal- I think Dean P's and the Falcons understand, like, look, we're not gonna out talent anyone on defense, especially this year. So like, we just need to come up with like a turn. If we can average like one turnover a game or better, uh like that might be enough for our offense. Like if our offense is what we think it can be and we can run the ball a little bit better, (laughs) like we might not need to be a great defense. We just need to create a turnover or two and shorten the game a little bit. And then we can get by with, you know, blitzing and kind of covering up and papering over the weaknesses on this defense by being aggressive. And look, we're going to make some mistakes too, but you know, (laughs) like, I think that's the best strategy. So,
2: we, we said that after the draft, we pointed out the fact that what they have in the secondary right now are, are a number of guys that are able to capitalize on turnovers because of their ball skills. This is going to be defense. I don't, we we may not see a guy that has double digit sacks this year. I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that. But I think what peas is going to try to incorporate is that aggressive front seven and a back end a secondary that is able to make those plays because again you're going to see you're going to see some rush throws you're going to see some overthrows you're probably going to see some tip passes you're going to see some some quarterbacks that are flustered trying to make a play and on that back end you need guys that can turn into receivers with the ball in the air and that's what they did with with Darren Hall and Richie Grant so Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah so it's yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the secondary is kind of coming together a little bit. I mean, I don't think it's going to be great, but, you know, as opposed to where we stood after they cut, you know, Ricardo Allen and let Keanu Neal walk and let Devontae Casey walk, like, it's, you know, Daron Harmon, Richie Grant, Eric Harris, I like think that's a decent three safety group like i mean it's not maybe the highest end group in the nfl but it's very versatile like all three of those guys can play in the box or deep or cover two looks so they can move around like dmp's likes um you know i think the corner group is you know not great i mean we'll have to see how the rookies do and you know i I do think if they make another addition a cornerback or a linebacker probably the two most likely spots that are maybe edge on defense but like like that, the JC Jackson would be perfect. Like that, I think would really take this over the edge. You don't have to force Fabian Moreau to start outside, but I, I think Fabian Moreau is probably better as like your corner three, your primary backup, and then you can you know have Oliver in the slot or whoever. But um,
2: yeah, I think would... Moreau is. I think Moreau is fine. I
1: think, I think so too, honestly. Like I,
2: I, I think he's fine. He's like not, he's not he's as not, good as JC
1: Jackson, but you
2: know. right. He's he's not he's he's not you know a special type of talent, um, but. You know, he's I, I think he's gonna be just fine out there. He 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 played very well at times in Washington on the edge. It was it was the slot where they tried and they the Washington tried to make him be a slot corner and that's not his thing. Yeah. And and that's where he that's where he went awry. Um but I, I think I like him out there on the edge.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I like that a lot better too. Um, So, yeah, you know, we'll see what Darren Hall and and Avery Williams, like I don't know if he's going to get a lot of run on defense this year, but I think they're going to see what they have and see if they can trust him to play the slot in the future maybe. Um, You know, he's a guy that just needs more experience, I think. But I think his freshman and sophomore years, he had eight and nine pass deflections in each year. So he's a guy that can get his hands on the football. You know, size is really his thing. Um, So we'll see if if he can carve out a role too. But, yeah, I mean – Williams, his path will be special teams, and we haven't heard too much about how that competition between him and Roland is going. But, um, you know, I think Darren Hall, probably pretty safe. Kendall Sheffield is someone who, who you know, we talked about probably going to have to show something in camp um, unless he's banking on them keeping six corners, which, you know, we, we know Dean Pease likes to run a lot of three safety stuff. Um, so you know them keeping six corners is not a guarantee. You know they might want to keep five safeties. Um, you know TJ Green I know is a guy a lot of people don't know. TJ Green is a good player. Like he's he's a decent you know extra safety, and they still have Jalen Hawkins too. So they might want to keep five safeties. We'll see. I
2: I think a lot of that also go- is going to depend on, <laughs> and we got we just got done with this. What what is you know the result of a Julio trade as far as clearing up that cap space because of you know if they get the cap space that they're looking for, they're gonna have some extra cash to to bring in some free agents this offseason. And there's still a couple guys out there on on the market at safety that I think, you know, the team may give a look. Malik Hooker is one guy that comes to mind. Um he's often injured, but you know, if he's healthy and he's he's able to uh incorporate those ball skills as well, that he's gonna be a nice pickup for this Falcons secondary in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, all right, next topic, left guard battle. One of the most interesting battles, most important battles of training camp. So far, uh, it looks like Josh Andrews is leading the competition, which is not surprising because, like we've said, like, like I said on Twitter, he's a veteran. He's probably going to get the first crack just because of his experience. But, uh, Evan, I'll let you get a word in here. So I oh, feel like we've boy. just been talking, but uh, what do you think about the left guard battle so far? Are you surprised that it's Josh Andrews leading the, uh, the list right at this time?
3: Um, no, because it's super early and he's more of a veteran than Jalen Mayfield, who I imagine most of us probably expect to win the job in the end, or at least I do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's just they do this every year where they have, you know, some players at different positions in there and they don't end up being the, you know, starter come season. Um, so, yeah. 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 Not too worried.
1: Yeah. Yeah, what about you, Eric? What do you think about uh, Josh Andrews starting at this uh, point?
2: I hope he's not the starter in week one. I don't think he will be, for the record. He, he better not be. They I mean just, they do
3: this every year at
2: other positions, right? You're you're like right. They they do, they do, but there's still that possibility because his competition at this point is a rookie who's transitioning from right tackle. Right. Mm. So it's like it's not it's not like they drafted a guy in the second round that they know for sure is basically going to take the spot. Like it's just they're putting him there because he's the better and he gets first dibs, I get it. But if Josh Andrews is the starter in week one going up against Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be tough. It's going to be bad. Josh Andrews has never played as even an average starter in his uh, limited starters. They're in trouble, guys. So that's not going to be great.
2: Um, They're they're in trouble if that's the
1: case. (laughs) They're probably in trouble no matter what, but, you know, we'll just hope for the best. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I guess to me, I still expect it to be Jalen Mayfield. Um, because I think they're just going to want, I think they're going to basically be like, look, we're going to get our, our most talented guys out there. And we're, this is just going to be the year where we're going to take our lumps. Like we're going to get our guys out there, get them experience. Um, We're going to run the ball as much as we can. We're going to run a lot of play action. We're not going to ask Matt Ryan to take any deep drops or hold the ball too long. And these guys are going to, you know, take their lumps and they're going to get beat. And then hopefully by the end of the season, they're ready to go. We could go into next year knowing that this is, you know, the group that we need. We don't need to add a bunch more resources to it. Um, I think Jalen Mayfield is just the most talented player. Um, And he's really big. And strong and fast. And those things all help. Like, if you don't have the technique, if you're really big and strong and fast, you know, that covers up. That covers up a lot of problems. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that, that Mayfield is just going to find his way onto the field. If it's not week one, it'll be soon. Um, and I think they need to see him uh, and see if he can be the guard starter as soon as possible. Um, and that's that's my prediction. You know, I wouldn't count out Matt Gono necessarily. But I feel like it sounds like Matt Gono is more competing at tackle. Um, so, you know, that doesn't surprise me either. I think he's a better tackle than guard, but, um, you know, I, you know, we haven't heard much about Drew Dahlman yet. He's also a rookie. So, I, he's, you know, Matt Hennessy is apparently starting at center right now. Also, not a surprise. You know, the guy, Matt Hennessy does have the advantage of, you know, a year of starting experience. We know the new coaching staff likes Dahlman because they drafted him, but, um, you know, I don't think it's as big of an indictment on Hennessy as people think. I mean, it's only a fourth round pick. Um, and I think they needed a backup center really bad. <laughs> they didn't have one on the roster, so the Drew Dahlman pick to me doesn't signal that they don't like Hennessy. It's maybe more that we need a backup center. We might as well get a guy that can compete to be the starter rather than you know a veteran off the pile who you know we would never want to be more than our backup. So between you know hopefully Hennessy and, and Dahlman, they could get a quality starting
2: center. So right, right. Oh, yeah, I think they're just they're bringing in competition. They're they're obviously placing a a, a onus on that. Um, and, and I, am not, I'm not going to sit here and say that Hennessy's job is up in the air. I think it's, it's possible that he can still, you know, win the job and be the starter in week one. I I just think right now they're trying to, they're obviously they're trying to bring in some competition. They want his play to be better than what they saw last year, which I don't think is, Fair, because it was pretty much a sample size. But again, I'm not a I'm not a coach, so especially um, at
3: center, it was yeah. I think his two starts
2: was against the Chiefs and Bucks. Yeah, yeah. His, his first his first two starts at center was against Chris Jones and Vita Vea. Like, yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's not really a fair barometer to say, okay, this guy can play in the league or he can't. Like, I just just he he went into the you know he got his minutes at a, at a very unique time of the year, but. They're, gonna, they're trying to ask some competition here. Um, but I honestly, like you said, Kevin, I, I, I hope Mayfield wins that left guard job because I, I'm really not comfortable about that position.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I know a lot of people, point. yeah. And I know a lot of people like, uh, you know, Corey, you know, mentioned it, the Hennessy was struggling last year. He struggled at guard. Uh, and he had to play Chris Jones, so like I don't necessarily like blame uh, him uh, for struggling.
2: Again, um, he, str- he struggled at guard, right? As a rookie, didn't play at all until week. It was like fifteen, 15 right? Yeah. And his first start was against, <laughs> against an All-Pro defense Yeah, and then yeah. the next week, it's like, yeah, now you got Vita Vea right. and the He did play so better
1: against the Bucks, but. He as did, as the it's, center, it's, yeah, but yeah,
2: that's still a tough test. It man. is, Come it on.
0: is. I so a like
1: break. yeah. I mean, like, so I wouldn't necessarily form too many opinions on Hennessy from those two ga- from that two game sample size. Um, yeah. and like he didn't get like blown off the turf by Chris Jones. I mean, the Falcons were absolutely in position to win that game. Um, yeah, you know, thank God for Koo you know, the, the true hero, uh, missing that field goal to preserve the draft position. But, um, you know, he was good enough. Like, not that you would want to go into the next year with him as your only starting option, but I think that we don't necessarily have to worry about Hennessy being a liability. Is he like a plus starter at center that I don't think we know, but I think as a, a solid starter, I think he's, he's pretty much fine. Um, yeah, Dan, the man, asks about Caleb McGarry, and I'll get to that in one second. We did miss a, an early donation from George Costanza, so I wanted to get to that before I completely forgot about it. George with the $5 from very early in the show. <laughs> Thanks again, George, for that. Uh, this is Julio-related, so we'll just talk about this for one second and then go back. But um, he wants to know if Shannon Sharp ever apologized for his on-air gaffe. Nope. And have our – he hasn't, nope. yeah. And have our opinions changed about it, especially Eric? I think the answer also is no. Uh, like I'm still mad, so Yeah. At, at Shannon what Sharp. Yeah, what happened in general? Like you know, have our opinions um, changed. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I mean, I still think it was a raw deal on both sides. I do. I still, to this day, and and going forward, I Julio was in on it. I still think Julio yeah, was in on it. I, I think it's I still kind think of hard. It was, yeah. I, I, yeah, I still think it was a plan that they put together that neither one of them thought out <laughs> yeah. completely. Yeah. Because I get, I guarantee you. Shannon didn't know about that potential law, that that law that technically he broke, um, on air. And this is not Julio's ammo ever. And then all of a sudden on, you know, now he wants to pull a a situation like this. Then Yeah, this, it was a plan that they put together, but no, Shannon hasn't apologized. And if he hasn't apologized now, he probably won't apologize.
1: No, I wouldn't expect one at this point. So, um, Yeah, it is it's it is what it is. I think we're still pretty mad about it. Um, I'm sure it's the bullshit. Falcons it's, are extremely mad about it. It's um, bullshit.
2: It's bullshit. I do think the either the team or the league needs to do something about it. That's BS, man. That's that's super yeah. embarrassing. It, yeah, super it, embarrassing. It, it sucks.
1: It sucks for sure. Um, and George also adds that, he's sorry you missed last week's show. It's okay, George. You don't have to be here literally every week. It's fine, man. <laughs> um, he says, I was super sick, had to sleep it off with lots of meds. Feel better, buddy. We hope you're feeling better this week. And we he says, uh,
2: we don't have anything to talk about. That's fine.
1: Right. Yeah. He says, let's keep Julio for one more year and see what we have. I mean, I agree. I would love to see I this agree. offense with Julio Jones. So I, just, I still I think just, that's, you know, the best outcome but we'll see i
2: just i just want one year of it yeah. I, I don't need to see it for three i just want one year yeah, of this yeah. offense that's, that's exactly all
1: of yep so all right moving on uh we talked about the offensive line the next thing was marlon davidson has been impressing early uh arthur smith was happy was reporting about him you know that he had been making great progress and you know was looking good you know Arthur Smith, obviously recognizing that the Davidson didn't get to play a lot last year from injury. So what do you guys think about Marlon Davidson this year? Evan, I'll give you another shot here. Um, you know, do you, do you think he's someone that you're expecting to break out? Cause I know like Dave Chote is like Marlon Davidson's biggest fan this year. So are you expecting mm-hmm. like a bounce back year from Davidson or are you still like in wait and see mode?
3: Yeah, I'm in wait and see. And I think anything other than that's just wishful thinking because he was injured for a good deal of last year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are some other guys there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, wait and see mode for now. Um, I, I think he's, you know, completely safe on the roster. So he's going to – I don't know if they'll throw him out there day one, but he hopefully will be eased into the defense and be healthy and be able to contribute right away. But um, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Deidre and still there, for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, still wondering what's what's going on there <laughs> yeah i, mean, I want to hear like, more about that like, yeah
1: we haven't heard much i mean we shouldn't count anyone out because like all these guys that were totally marginalized under the previous staff like maybe they get a shot under right. smith and fontenot but uh it's just hard to say they did sign like another nose tackle too, the all, all of saga sagapolu um mm-hmm. so that's interesting as well but yeah eric well, what's your thoughts on that situation
2: I mean yeah, you know, Davison has to be a, a breakout player this year in my opinion. Um I'm I mean I'm not I'm not going to go out and say he needs to be a pro bowler or an all pro or anything like that, but he definitely needs to play um a lot better than what we saw from him last year, but he did, you know, he had a he had a covid issue um and he also had was a knee issue as well too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or ankle, knee. Yeah, because he had the ankle.
1: slow start because of COVID. He missed like yeah. almost all of training camp, and then he yeah. got. In, I think it was a knee. Uh, yeah. So after he, he finally got on the field, yeah.
2: Yeah. So he was never really. It was he didn't have a normal offseason or a normal start to the season. So I will give him the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that. Um, but he definitely has to improve in in year two, and I think he can. Yeah. Um, I think, and I think he can be a really really good compliment to grady jared um they're gonna they're gonna need him man um kaminsky as well yes those two guys i we need to. they they need to show some type of elevation and play in order for this defense to even field you know a competent one
1: yeah yeah i do think that we're going to see i wonder if kaminsky in particular is going to play more edge because he Mm. is a freak athlete like absolute freak so if he can drop like 10 15 pounds get back to that like 265 270 range um he's like one of the most athletic edge guys they have and he was originally drafted as an edge that's he played in college so like they don't have a great depth uh, number of edge guys they have a lot of interior guys so i wonder if they're looking at Kaminsky as more of an edge rusher. He's someone I, I, that can actually stand. Like and that's it's Marlon Davidson too. Like he did it in college. Like he stood up and and rushed I, off I, the I, edge for at like two eighty five.
2: I don't want Marlon to stand up. No, I don't I, want him
1: to stand up either. I, but. I
2: I I want I want Marlon to be I want Marlon to be our well I don't even want to put that type level of expectation out there. But I I want I wanted I want Mar, excuse me I'm sorry I want Davidson to play opposite Grady at the five tech I want those two with the hand in the ground um and being and being two pillars on that defensive line I'd rather have Kaminsky at five tech than stand up because he's not that's something he's not used to in my opinion because you got to keep in mind he tra- he he, was, he played
1: like hand in the dirt like seven tech five tech edge in college he like was, it was a, a he was a game.
2: former he was a former he was a was he a quarterback or a tight end or something I can't remember exactly what he played he played high school he played off on the offensive side of ball in high school, and he got mm-hmm. the causes when he transitioned to defensive line, and that took a little bit of time. Yeah. And when he finally got drafted, they played him more at defensive end on the edge as a five tech. Um. And I still think he's still trying to get a feel as far as what he actually is as a football player. Yeah. So I I don't I don't know if he I, I mean we'll we'll see I I just like him better at five tech right now i say let's just just keep him there but
1: yeah yeah that makes sense to me um and like i, I think that he will get some opportunities on the edge too just because they're kind of they're going to move guys around but like yeah um i
2: mean yeah life would be so much better if dante fowler would get his shit together and actually rest the passer.
1: yeah also notable uh dante fowler not at otas <laughs>
2: Awesome. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, whatever, dude. You don't need OTAs. You had one damn sack last year. You don't need OTAs. <laughs> yeah. John Kaminsky though,
1: he uh nine nine point four two RAS, uh, ran a four six nine at two hundred and eighty six pounds. <laughs> that is absurd. <laughs> that speed adjusted forty has gotta be like one of the best of all time. Like is, you, Six, five, and two-eighths. 2, eighths. two eight, his, six. What's Almost wing, two. What's this, uh, let's see. wings wingspan? Wing his arm length is 33 and a half. I don't know. Yeah, that's not. I mean, that that's pretty good. It's not, not great. Yeah,
2: it's pretty good. It's not, no, it's not great. It's, not it's great fine.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. That it's four, six, nine. Freaking, that's why you see him on special teams, like, streaking down the field like a huge man. Because he runs a four, six, nine. <laughs> that's crazy to me but
2: uh yeah yeah that's nuts
1: that is nuts but i just remember that this is crazy testing um but yeah it's uh we'll see what happens with the with the rotation there but yeah i think if 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 marlon davidson can be an impact player like you hoped he could be last year um that definitely makes the d-line look a lot better Um, you don't have to have as much pressure on the edge guys like if if Kaminsky and Davidson can like if you get a 3-4 package of like you know Grady Jarrett Kaminsky Marlon Davidson and Dante Fowler and then maybe another stand-up you know rusher somewhere um, like that if, if Kaminsky and Marlon Davidson are playing you know better uh, and Fowler's not a complete, you know, waste of space, then that's not the worst defensive line in the league. You know, they're still going to have to blitz probably against good offensive lines. But, um, you know, I think it's it's at least serviceable, <laughs> I guess is what we can yeah. say. So, ideally, you, you want more than serviceable. And Edge was just the position where they had to kind of punt. Like, they just didn't – it didn't fall the way they wanted. I don't think they loved the class based on the players they took. Um, you know we still have Ogun Deji, so you know we'll see if if he can play too. Um, you know he'll, he'll I'm sure he'll get a chance because there ain't nobody <laughs> there ain't nobody in that rotation that's necessarily standing in his way except maybe like well, Fowler and Barkevious Mingo. So uh,
2: again, <laughs> this is where we wanted the, you know the possible result of a Julio trade comes into play because right there's Houston still, there's, man oh, Justin Houston's out there. get him.
1: Bring him home. Bring him home, Jack, Fontenot. Let's go. Jack yeah.
2: stop doing that. Jack Crocker. stop. <laughs>
1: He's got the Tennessee connection. Stop, stop <laughs> doing that. Bring him home, thing. I bring him home, Fontenelle. Stop. Yeah.
2: Stop. <laughs> I, I hear it every day from Georgia. Stop. <laughs> bring him home. Jeez. Yep.
3: Oh, you guys bring a bring oh, girlie. I thought you were talking about bring Jack Crawford. No, 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 Like no
2: <laughs> Georgia fans. They all they want to bring every form of bulldog to Atlanta. Like bring girlie back. No, no, let's not bring girlie no. back.
1: Does he want to play for Vet Men? Okay, sure, but that's it. No, I don't even
2: want. I don't want him back for that. No.
1: What about Le'Veon Bell
3: for Vet Men? Oh. <laughs> just like ooh. I actually like our running backs. Yeah, our running Run backs,
1: backs are I like mean, super...
2: I, I think, I think they're, I think they're fine there. I just, I, I'm just not one that's like, oh my god. You gotta have a bulldog on the. foul. You gotta get some dogs in here. It doesn't. Adnan make sense. says it best. Adnan says it best. Like, yeah, oh, we does. gotta get
1: the dogs in here, man. Gotta get some no. dogs. Why? Why do we? Why? I don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. No, I don't get it either. It's weird, no, I understand. but, uh, I understand. all right, guys, we've got a couple more topics to cover tonight. Before we get to that, I want to remind folks to like, and subscribe to the channel. If you're not already, both those metrics help us out in a big way, help other folks find us on YouTube. We really do appreciate that. Also, check out the Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Live. Our next Q&A session looks like it's going to be next Friday uh, at 5 p.m. If you want to take part in that, that's a lot of fun. We're going to try to have some cool guests on there. That uh, All you got to do is be subscribed to the Patreon before 5 o'clock on that Friday uh, to get access to the exclusive live stream. Um, so definitely check that out. If you're interested, there's some exclusive content on there as well that we're also working on, uh, bringing in maybe some film sessions, some other cool stuff. You know, I know someone mentioned Keenan Forney. We're going to be, you know, trying to maybe work him into some of that stuff and some of our other, uh, frequent guests. So definitely check that out guys. And the discord as well. I know things are a little quiet right now, but when the season starts, the discord is going to be a lot of fun. I know there's people still chatting and they're like every day um yeah, there's a lot of uh, diehards fans so if you need people to talk about uh football with and you're bored uh hit up the discord the link to that is in the show description so uh check that out guys um all right final stuff for tonight um yeah i mean i think we covered most of the big storylines from otas um you know i know that uh let's see there was one other thing that i can't I can't remember. I'm, I'm drawing a total blank. There was one other topic I wanted to cover. Um, I don't know if there's anything else from OTAs that you guys saw that you thought were, was interesting. Um,
2: no, not really. Surprisingly, no. I haven't really. It's been pretty seen quiet. Anything. Yeah. It, it really has, and that's partially because of what's going on. Um, there's a lot more attention going on to Julio than it is to actual practices right now. So um, it, it really has Well, outside of Outside of Arthur Smith's uh, fiery personality on the field, that's really been the only talk as far as OTAs go, um, and, and what he's brought so far. So, yeah, he's yeah. definitely showing. He's definitely showing a different side of himself mm-hmm. that you don't that you don't see normally.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. It's it's interesting. Like, I, you know, there've only been two open sessions, so like we haven't necessarily seen everything that's going on and you know i know i'm working to uh get to training camp for the first week when we know when that is i think eric mentioned that he's interested in maybe trying to do that as well um, absolutely so uh, we'll, absolutely. we'll keep you guys posted on that you know bring you that that sweet sweet training camp content straight uh straight from the source uh so we'll be working on that um, maybe the possibility of covering some preseason games as well, so we'll, we'll keep you guys regular, posted on regular that. Regular
2: season two. Regular oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. We, we're definitely, you know, we uh, we really don't have, you know, a, a warden like overview over the Falcoholic now because somebody is gone. <laughs> yeah. So Now, they actually respond may... to
1: Evan's PR emails now. You know, they don't always, they, like, agree to right. them, but they at least yeah. respond. Oh, they're, yeah. yeah,
3: they're super nice.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Again, so, because it's there's... Just, no right longer...
3: now. Yeah, right now with the Julio stuff, you know, that kind of makes getting people on and stuff right. difficult. But they probably don't want they're anyone super to super cool. Anything. Yeah. But, they're, yeah, but, that, no, yeah, but they're good people.
2: But we don't, you don't have to worry about that, That you know, that hawk in the sky anymore. Oh, yeah. He's no longer there. So we may have a chance yeah. now as Falcoholic. We may yeah, have a chance, may to have have go a back
1: chance. To No, I'm sure it's going to be good. Uh, it's going to be good. We're going to have lots of insider content from you guys. I know we did have a question coming in. Uh, before the end of the show here that I want to get to from Taylor Merchant. He says, where do we think uh, Javion Hawkins ends up on the depth chart after camp and by the end of the season? Yeah, I know Thor thought he would be the starter by halfway through the year or at least get the most carries. Um, I don't know if I'm quite that high, but, I mean, it would not shock me at all if um, we break camp with Hawkins – as the number three or even number two back because I, I don't know I don't know how many carries are given Correll Patterson if if they're not giving Correll Patterson more than like a handful of carries which they shouldn't I mean honestly like you should probably shouldn't get more than like five or six carries a game probably should get more targets than that honestly but um I think Hawkins could be the RB two when we break camp um I I have a hard time seeing him like overtaking Mike Davis this year assuming there's no injuries which you know we'll we'll hope for the best on that front but um you know i think hawkins he doesn't like nobody else in the roster really fills that role i guess tony brooks james does to an extent but as we've said like brooks james is fine but like he he's a guy he was a guy signed to a futures contract by the previous regime mm-hmm. and like um he's not necessarily someone who twice in a, yeah, yeah was
3: he was like with uh was it jacksonville or minnesota or something yeah, and then yeah. came back
1: yeah so i mean i think he's a quality guy i just you know is he going to be able to him and JV and Hawkins, one of them is making the roster. You know, Allison and Huntley, who we're going to talk to next week, one of them is probably making the roster. So there's some battles here. Um, mm. You know, I think Hawkins is pretty clearly the favorite for his spot. You know, we'll have to see how allison performs this preseason. You know, Huntley, obviously, I'm sure is hungry. Um, he's coming in, you know, and, and is going to be trying hard. And, you know, we're going to talk, like we said, we're going to talk to him next week. We're going to hear about his skill set and how he's, been doing at camp so far, but uh, it's going to be tough competitions up and down. So I, I do think uh, Hawkins has a great chance, but what do you guys think about Hawkins this year?
2: I I think reasonable expectations would be him being the third down back, him taking that Edo Smith role. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, I think, I think that's probably going to happen as far as him being running back two going forward. I don't, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see. because they, they're, they're, they're sounding like, they're wanting Cordero Patterson to be the backup running back which i don't know <laughs> if that's smart i
1: think patterson is like they might like call him the rb2 but like patterson is yes, going to be
2: everywhere this what yes exactly mm-hmm. i don't
1: think he's a guy that if if mike davis gets hurt patterson's not taking 15 carries a game no but like, for
2: depth but for depth chart roster purposes I think Cordero is probably going to be a running back too. Just yes, just on, on paper. You can
1: yeah. pencil him in absolutely to the roster. No questions yeah. asked. He's I making three million dollars, which is like actually a lot of money for the Falcons this year. So, <laughs> right. so like, you know, he's gonna have a role. Um yeah. and like so I think like if, if Mike Davis were to get hurt, um, or miss, you know, a series or whatever, it's probably he, gonna be like Ollison or Huntley or whoever ends up yeah. as that yeah. guy taking the majority of carries. You know, and I think they'll be versatile, too. Like, if they see a team that's like, oh, they have slow linebackers, We're gonna, they're probably going to run Hawkins more and try to get him up to the outside where he can break some of these line plays. If they have, you know, faster linebackers, the, the lighter boxes, you know, they're probably going to lean more on the Mike Davis, Allison, Huntley style of runners. And they're going to mix Patterson as a change of pace guy, and I, I hope they, you know, give him some targets, too. But the thing about Mike Davis um, that people need to know is that he's a very good receiver. He's much better... Uh, catching the ball out of the backfield than Todd Gurley was, so he is going to be a factor at, in the passing game. Um, and I think you know Hawkins will be too. You know Dornaystrom gave us the the scoop there that you know Hawkins Hawkins didn't drop a catchable target in college. He didn't get a lot of yeah. targets, but he didn't drop a single catchable target uh, in college. So he is a better receiver than you might think based on his production. Um, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting group. I mean, this is a very non traditional running back group. I mean, any running back group with Corderell Patterson in it is non-traditional. So. Yeah, um, But, you know, I like it. Like, I think they're going to use the running back as a passing game weapon, as a matchup piece, a la Kyle Shanahan's offenses, more than they use it as just a bruiser. You know, it seemed like in Dirk Cutter's offenses, it was almost just a wasted player sometimes. Like, they just kind of had him either just pass blocking or they would you know, go empty all the time. And it's like, if you're going to go empty, like what's the point of even having the running back on the field? You might as well just put a receiver out there. Like, so it's just, I'm hoping they just use running back more creatively this year. <laughs> yeah. and I think they will. I think they will. So. Yeah.
2: Especially, <laughs> with, especially with Hawkins in the folk
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, guys, like I said, please do like and subscribe if you haven't done that yet. We appreciate all of you for tuning in with us tonight. I know a lot of folks are watching the Hawks game. I don't blame you um so those few that are split screening or watching us instead of the hawks we do appreciate that i know there's a lot of overlap with the fan base there um but we will be back uh next wednesday for another show uh like we said uh hopefully have a chance to get to get huntley on here then and then uh friday next week we will be having the june q a session so uh load up the patreon if you want to get involved with that if you are a patron i know a lot of you are in here uh you can either send us your questions before or you can do it live if you're going to make it um either way we'll get all your questions done uh and that fun hour-long show we'll have hopefully some special guests for you as well so uh until next time guys let me sign off my wonderful contributors co-hosts here first of all Evan Birchfield, he is at guest director of personnel. Uh, Evan Birchfield on Twitter. It's just Evan Birchfield. There's not enough characters for that. If there was, yeah, that would be his. I name. tried. Yeah, I yeah, tried. tried. did um, But you should
3: definitely put that in your Twitter Twitter bio. You know, you've only got like two. Yeah. Lines well, there, you so. need to send me it because I keep forgetting. Like, I tried <laughs> to type it in. And it's like, Such an well, intricate, yeah. But title, like I yeah. forgot. All right. Yeah. yeah. I'll
1: make sure to I'll make sure to get that for you. But appreciate uh, it. Yeah. Uh, he's at Evan Birchfield on Twitter. Evan, anything you're working on? Anything you'd like to plug?
3: Uh, just go to Uh, follow the Instagram account, the underscore Um, I'm doing my, I've done it since 2019, I did 2019 and 2020, um, 32 teams, 32 sleepers. It's like an early look at fantasy football sleepers. Um, I have no idea when that's going to be out because I do a paragraph per player and I'm up to like the bills or something. So I'm kind of early. So maybe next week or something, but just go to com. to be honest.
1: Yeah, yeah. Check the site out. Obviously, it's a slow time right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a little bit, you know, not a lot of content going out. I'm trying to come up with some stuff. Uh, I will have something coming soon. Uh, you know well, you just wait trailer, till Julio's uh, traded, and right.
3: there's going to be a whole flood of content.
1: Yeah, it'll be just a blast of content, <laughs> and then it'll be dead again until training camp. But, you know, at least we have that. You know, hopefully, well, maybe we don't have that to look forward to. It would be newsworthy if he didn't get traded too. So, you know, we'll hope for that. But, uh, yeah, yeah. check out the site anyway. It's, you know, we'll do our best to get you guys something interesting to read about up until there's actual news. Uh, Finally, we have Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, anything that you're working on you'd like to plug?
2: Uh, Right now, I do have uh, the beginning of a a series of columns that's going to be coming out uh, highlighting um key in-game matchups for every game this season I have one out right now for week one um against the Eagles so go ahead and get that a look um just check out the Falcoholic site as a whole man you know we, we're pretty much got a little bit of everything it is a slow time of the year so please bear with us uh stories are not necessarily <laughs> forthcoming at- yeah. So just, again, just bear with us. Uh, once training camp and stuff starts back up, I, I guarantee you the, the wheel will start turning again for us. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. For sure. But yeah, it's coming, guys. This is the dead zone. Uh, right. Like I said, we're going to keep doing these Wednesday shows. You know, we got, I think we saw over 100 people here for most of the night. And I'm sure like the Hawks game is siphoning off some people, and I don't blame you guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, as long as we got something to talk about, we'll keep coming back. We'll probably, I think, two weeks from now, uh, we probably won't have a show that week. Cause I think that's my wife's birthday that Wednesday. And, you know, I think I can probably swing not having a show that day, uh, just because, you know, I think she would appreciate that. I'm sure you guys can support me, you know, getting some brownie points with the wife there. Um, so, you know, we'll keep Mark. you posted on that update, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, guys, I'm Kevin Ad Falcoholic Kevin. Um. I will have something up either late this week or early next week about Julio Jones trade and why it's so important for Terry Fontenot his first year as GM and why he needs to nail it. Uh, I'll be starting my player profile series, which if you guys remember from last year, I wrote up a profile on, I think I got to like 72 of 90 players before uh, cuts started. Uh, so I don't know if I'm going to get that far because we have probably, we're going to have preseason and other stuff. So I probably don't have that many days, but um I will be working on those. Um, we'll start with the starters and you know take a look at how they fared last year compared to uh, going into this year and all that stuff. Um, so until then, guys, uh, next Wednesday at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your night. Go Hawks, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Have a great night, folks.